All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 57 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my co-host, my fellow creature of the night, and tonight I'm hoping he's gonna be my wedding date, Mr. Travis White. Travis, are you, uh, are you willing to go to a wedding with me tonight? I will be your plus one, brother. I will Thank put you. on my black suit, my black tie, my black choker, and uh, get ready to go to this wedding. We're about to uh, this unholy alliance. We're about to or unholy matrimony. We're about to witness here yes. on Talk and Taker. It is a uh, black attire mandatory. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone there has straight black on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we um, are, of course, talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about the No Mercy UK edition pay-per-view, uh, the third in our series of UK exclusive pay-per-views that we are talking about here. This took place in May of 1999. It's, again, with a lot of these UK pay-per-views. It may not be a match or a pay-per-view you're familiar with, but... It does involve a pretty significant Undertaker match, so we do want to cover it sure. here. And, of course, we're going to cover up all the build-up going on between our last episode, Backlash 99, and this, which is a ton of stuff to talk about, including the infamous Black Wedding between Undertaker and Stephanie McMahon. So don't skip this one, folks, just because it may not be the most enticing match or pay-per-view on here. There's still <laughs> a ton of Taker talk to be had. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, a few years ago, a lot of people raved about the Game of Thrones Red Wedding. Well, you know what? That can suck it because this is the Black Wedding. Oh, this yeah. was years before, and a lot happens here. So let's get to it, man. Just as crazy, <laughs> I think. Yeah, absolutely. Insane. Just like the Red Wedding. So, so let's. I like to think the Game of Thrones got that, their idea from this. So I, <laughs> No way. I'll go with that. I like that. to think that. Because Undertaker invented everything, as we've, as we've mentioned several exactly. times on this podcast. Exactly. So. <laughs> Let's hop in our old uh, time-traveling hearse and head back to May 26th, 1999, episode 309 of Monday Night Raw. It is coming off of Let's go back to April 26th. Yes, let's do that first. Let's go back to April 26th. (laughs) Let's go back a little bit farther. 1999. Uh, It's the Raw (laughs) after Backlash pay-per-view 1999. Undertaker had defeated Ken Shamrock that night. But the real story was after the main event, after Stone Cold defeated The Rock and got his Smoking Skull title belt back, The Undertaker was seen pulling off in the limo with Stephanie in the backseat and uttering those three infamous words, where to Stephanie? My favorite line, this whole 57 episodes. I've been waiting for that this whole time. So my favorite Undertaker line, I guess. Uh, Paul Bear's had some of my favorite lines, but it's my favorite Undertaker line. I've been looking forward to that. Yeah, so he's abducted a um, 22-year-old daughter of his boss, so never a good start. Um, we talked about the Me Too movement on our last week's episode, so he's going to continue it on here, yep. abducting her, you know, a backlash. So, like you said, Raw 309, uh, we get – it opens up with Mopey Vince and the Stooges getting there in a limo, and Vince has got a briefcase in his hand. Yeah, and he's he's, like, sulking almost like – his favorite football team lost. He's not 
it doesn't look like somebody yeah. who's had his daughter kidnapped for the past 24 hours. It, it's just a weird right. visual for Vince. But yeah, like you said, he's got a briefcase in his hand that's obviously going to come into play here over the course of the show. So this is, again, going to be like we've seen really over the past few months. It's going to be a whole thread throughout the show of where has the Undertaker taken Stephanie and what is Vince going to have to do to try to get her back? Yeah, absolutely. And um, in a change, another change of pace here, though, we get Cornette and JR on commentary. So I don't know why King was absent this night, but I don't know. But Cornette's on there, so it was just it was fun to change it up a little bit. Um, so I don't know. It was it was fun. It was neat. But um, so also a little nugget of something that happens this night is Rock is officially a face now after he gets fired from the corporation. So I just want to drop that nugget there because he's going to play into a lot of this storyline heading forward. Um, some matches we're going to get and stuff. So he's officially a face now. But um, Taker is full-blown heel when you abduct his daughter, even though your boss is a heel. So, <laughs> by proxy, I guess it makes you a, uh, makes him a face. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see Vince backstage waiting on a call from The Undertaker. He's sitting there sulking with Patterson and Briscoe. And uh, Patterson is saying Vince should call the cops. But Vince says he, he's going <laughs> to negotiate... With the dead man, he says he's got everything Undertaker wants in the briefcase. And all he wants to do is get Stephanie back. He's willing to do whatever it takes. So Taker, we hear the phone ring, but then we go to a commercial break. (laughs) I don't know why they didn't just show this. But we come back for a commercial break, and they show us what happened during the commercial. Really, I don't don't get it. I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, me neither, man. And why would he not just call the feds? This is a felony, abducting Exactly. He's like, no, no, I'll just, I'll just, I have no alternative but to give him what he wants. So yes, you do. You call the federal agents and get them on this. Well, I, I don't know if federal agents could take down Viscera and Midian. Oh, very true. Very true. <laughs> so, so yeah, we get this yeah. phone call from Taker. He's like, Vince, you know who this is. She's fine, Vince. As a matter of fact, she's real fine, which is just creepy. Gross. And then he's like, you know what I got and you know what I want. And so... Vince is like, yeah, you know, I've got your controlling interest signed and sealed, but I want Stephanie back now. And Taker's like, once I get those documents, Stephanie will be returned unharmed. But if you slip up, you'll never see your precious little girl again. So. Blackmail from yep, yep. the black soul of the Undertaker here. And exactly. I got to say, man, Undertaker, pretty smart. Kind of ahead of the game here because the, the WWF yeah. didn't actually start offering stock until later in 1999. So. <laughs> Trendsetter Undertaker, yet again. <laughs> there you go. Is he responsible? Are we, should, could we say he's responsible for them going public? I, I think we because have Because of this? Oh, <laughs> the evidence right here. All right, there you go. You're and, welcome, guys. Uh, I have to thank him personally because I am a stockholder myself. I do have one share of WWE stock that I've had for like 15 years. <laughs> well, it's riding higher than it ever has before oh, at this point. absolutely, so. man. I get my quarterly <laughs> dividend of 25 cents every year. Uh, Every three months. It'll be like three bucks this time. I so have made it's up. <laughs> probably $10 over the past 15 years from WWE. It's, it's, it's there you go. That's times. enough to pay for a month of the network. Yeah. <laughs> Put but it right back into the company. I just do want to offer that as a disclaimer to our listeners that I am a, a stockholder in the world wrestling entertainment. <laughs> so in case you think my opinions are influenced at all. <laughs> You're a shill. So... <laughs> But uh, Undertaker does throw a wrench into these plans, though, doesn't he? Yeah. 
he gives instructions for Steve Austin to bring the documents to this loading dock of some hotel. I didn't catch the name, but they got to be there by 10 p.m. on the loading dock. And yes, he needs Steve Austin to bring them, not Vince. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. Why? Stone Cold and Vince don't have the best relationship, from what I remember. Uh, yeah, exactly. The last 15, 20 months hasn't been the best. So. So that, uh, of course, Vince is flummoxed and flabbergasted about that. Uh, so in the next segment, Stone Cold is out trying to cut his victory promo from the pay-per-view last night, and Vince comes out and interrupts, says this isn't going to be easy, but he needs Stone Cold's help to get his daughter back. He tells Austin, this isn't about me and you, this is about me and my daughter. Stone Cold tells him, look, man, I got a million problems of my own. I don't really care about your problems anymore. <laughs> And I thought this was a perfect opportunity to get the old Jay-Z. I got 99 problems, but uh, ain't one. That would have been incredible. But I don't know if that song was out yet in well, 99. So. It's not Austin style. <laughs> no, but it would have been, like in my mind, I was saying it as he was saying, I got a million problems. I was like, oh, man, what a, it would have been great. I, you know, Godfather would have dropped that line or something, but oh, it would have been hilarious. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so he's he's not sure he can help him, doesn't care about Vince's problems, and uh, tells him to kiss his backside, and then Mopey Vince walks away. It's just so weird for me to they see. They should play the Charlie Brown music there. Oh, that would have been perfect. <laughs> Arrested <laughs> development style. Do, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was just going to say, it, it's just so inconsistent for me when Vince has been this just bold, arrogant, cocky guy for the past year and like yeah. flicking off Undertaker and Kane behind their back. He's doing whatever he wants. He's guaranteeing all this arrogant stuff. I mean, I guess you could say, well, this involves his daughter. It's freaked him out sure. and everything. But still, it's just so weird to see Vince moping around and, and helpless like this. Just very inconsistent in my oh, opinion. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, you know, and yeah, I guess you're going to blame it on the fact it's his daughter, but still, even when other things were going wrong, you know, he still was the same, you know, brash, arrogant, you know, SOB that he always had been, so I don't know, it is definitely pretty weird, so. Well, backstage, we see Austin encountering the Big Show, and he's, which, this is weird to me, too, because Big Show, right before Backlash, is, you know, saying, I'm calling out Vince, you don't owe me, I'm, he's going to start a few events, and then here he's like, Hey man, why don't you say Vince's daughter to Austin? <laughs> he's like, "Come on, man, it's his daughter." And Austin's like, "You know, see you later." He's got a big old dip in his mouth too. Austin does, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah huge water chew in. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I guess we can start chalking up counting all of Big Show's face and heel turns already. Sure. He's been in the company for two months, and I believe he's already had at least two turns already. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Uh, it's nuts, man. I don't get it. So, uh, he's so, he's like the ping pong ball, just back and forth, back and forth. You know, it's like a joke online, but it's legit. It's true. By the time 99 is over, he'll have like four turns, I think. (laughs) Face and heel turns. So, oh, um, I do want to mention that the Acolytes beat up Shamrock, you know, as we mentioned at Backlash, Bradshaw kind of got one up on Kenny at the end and they do, um, kind of feud here. I want to drop that line because it has something to do with the ministry and Tess comes to aid him. That's going to, Tess and Kenny kind of come to each other's aid and that's going to feed into something that we're going to build on in the next couple episodes. So um, anyway, I just want to drop that there. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, that is, like you said, that's going to, that's that's building something that's going to become a heavy part of, of these next few episodes here that team up with Shamrock and Tess. 
backstage, you know, they're again setting the scene for all this stuff. Vince is pacing around backstage before finally deciding to take the briefcase and meet Undertaker at the hotel. Uh, even though apparently JR is saying it's it's what did he say here? Oh, JR's like he says that uh, Taker didn't show up at the place, and then Cornette's like, no, no, he was supposed to meet him at some hotel because JR's like, oh, I guess Taker didn't make it here to the arena, and Cornette's like, no, he was supposed to meet him at a hotel. So that when Vince leaves, they're like, oh, I guess he's leaving to go to the hotel now. It was like a senior moment for JR. I don't know, it was really <laughs> weird. They cover themselves later on in the broadcast, but. That was definitely strange. So, <laughs> it's like they didn't have their uh, notes in order. Of course, Vince Russo could have been rewriting it as he's That's what I'm thinking, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, even though Vince goes to the hotel with the briefcase, The Undertaker has outsmarted him yet again. His plan seems to go off without a hitch here as Vince is at the hotel sure. and the ministry arrives at the arena instead with Stephanie. He didn't really want Vince to meet him up anyway. So they drag, the ministry is dragging Stephanie into the arena. Uh, Everyone is just laughing and cackling. Stephanie's screaming. And Paul Bearer has this giant red book in front of him. Uh, It says on the, it's like, it's homemade, it looks like. Oh, yeah. It's got glitter and stuff on it. Vacation Bible school, like, art class. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly where it was. It says on there, Ministerium X. Acerbus. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, Ugh. but something in Latin. Basically, I tried to look it up. Uh, m- means Ministry of Dark or Ministry of Darkness, uh, essentially, is what it means okay. on there. Acerbus is dark or something like that. Ministry is, of course, ministerium would be min- uh, ministry, I guess. So he's yeah. got the book of the Ministry of Darkness on there, and he's going to be using that book to officiate this wedding. <laughs> I wonder if WWE is going to put a copy of that out ever. I wish. Know? They put out like encyclopedias and yearbooks, and they're apparently putting some tell-all book out yeah. too, coming up soon. So why not? Yeah, they put out this one. You know, who knows? What if that's in the warehouse that we keep talking about? Oh, in the warehouse. Be. Yeah, I hope it is. I hope it is. If not, I hope Paul Bear's kids have it. So, <laughs> so yeah, they. You know, Stephanie's got her black dress on, and she's got the choker, the black choker around her neck, like you know, popular '90s accessory. That's why I made my comment earlier, at the oh, beginning yeah. of this episode. But um. So the main event is, is a segment, basically. we got a main event segment. we got Taker's music playing. The ministry come out. They have her already strapped to the symbol. And this is where commentary explains. They're like, oh, well, Vince went to the hotel, but Taker wasn't there. It was a fool's errand. So they kind of cover themselves there. You know, but like, you know, I, JR just had that senior moment earlier. But um, Midian, Viscera, Bradshaw, and Farouk, the Fab Four, they're going to raise her up on, this, on the symbol <laughs> and lean in on the top rope there. So she's not... Suspended in the air or anything, she's just kind of leaning on the top rope, but it looks super dangerous to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, she easily could have slipped off that and <laughs> fell and bust her head open for sure. Yeah, uh, but you know, Undertaker is there to take care of her, obviously. Uh, Undertaker, obviously, raring to go. Uh, you know, uh, he clearly must have taken his blue chew backstage, uh, <laughs> ready to get it on. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're looking for help in that department, people. Uh, no, never, never mind. They're not our sponsor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. But if they were, I'll show them. Uh. Undertaker, before the, uh, he, uh, before the ceremony begins, he says he must address the McMahon family, saying he is not to blame for what's about to happen here. This rests on your shoulders, Vince, because you did not live up to your end of the agreement. 
which is true. You know, he did not get Steve Austin it's to true. go meet him at the hotel. So maybe Undertaker is actually responding. Uh, maybe he was going to go through with it, but Steve Austin didn't show up. But <laughs> doesn't seem likely. So Undertaker tells Paul to let the ceremony begin. Oh, yeah. At this point, you know, Paul gets his big old book open and the crowd's just chanting for Austin. They know what's coming. You know, Absolutely. They, they've been watching wrestling before. This is not night one for them. So they're chanting Austin, Austin. Stephanie, I got to give her props. She's screaming like in fear. And I mean, she's a horrible actress at this point and horrible on the mic, as we'll see coming up here. But she's not who she'll become. But she is, you know, she's she's playing that scared damsel in distress pretty well. Yeah, I'll say. I agree. Um, so Paul proceeds to perform the ceremony and join Stephanie Marie McMahon in the unholy wedlock with the Lord of Darkness. So he I, says, I believe he asks Stephanie Marie McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking a page out of Joe Briscoe's yes. pronunciation camp. Yeah. Ask her. Keeping this in mind, will you, Stephanie Marie McMahon, Accept the purity of evil and take the Lord of Darkness as your master and your spouse. It's getting creepy. It is, but thankfully Ken Shamrock is there to try to save the day. Uh, he, but he comes in running in with his bat, but unfortunately gets a big old splash from Viscera, the King of the Ring 95 yeah. special for his <laughs> troubles. Yeah. And he's not able to save them. Uh, so we cut to the back after that, and Shane McMahon, you would think the brother of Stephanie would be wanting to save her from this, but he's actually holding all the guys in the corporation back from running out there. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 we're going to hold off until it gets bad. I'm just like, dude, your sister's being married to Satan. Like, how much worse can it get? <laughs> like, how much worse can it possibly get? I mean, they haven't consummated oh. it yet, so. I guess so. Oh man, but yeah, it's and then Taker says he wants to take Stephanie as his wife and for her to bear his offspring, which that was just, dude, that's a lot yeah. to take in. So, but so so I mean, go ahead. Think about last episode we we're talking about how this is just Mark now. It's not even the Undertaker character. Right. I mean, what what is going on? Like, what is he trying? What is Mark trying to accomplish here? Is he really? in love with Stephanie? Does he really want to be married to her? Is he really just going for power? Right. I don't know, man. Uh, all the motivations are all muddied, and it's uh, it's it's a sight to see, but it, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's very hard to look back on this fondly because, like I said, we always, always, I keep saying that history is written by the winners and WWF won, right? So WCW, and you mentioned last episode, that or two episodes ago, I can't remember, but we talked about the Dungeon of Doom and how the ministry is kind of like the Dungeon of Doom, but no one wants to crap on it. Look at this. You've got this satanic cult leader trying to marry the, the boss's daughter, and ha she's going to have his seed and his offspring and stuff. And, like, he's got this vacation Bible school, like, book he made, like a crafts class. And, like, this is the most WCW thing I've seen on WWF television in a while. So, uh, Absolutely, but, dude. If WCW had won the war... We would yes. be looking back at the Ministry of Darkness the same way we look at the Dungeon of Doom. I 100% yep. believe that going back yep. and watching this. It is not that much different. Uh, the Undertaker happens to be a better performer than sure. anybody in the Dungeon of Doom, honestly. Uh, sure. So that helps a little bit. And Paul Bearer is fantastic. But, dude, <laughs> yeah. you got, there's chanting. There's a woman 
sacrificed on a symbol in the middle of the ring, having this dark wedding or whatever. It is yeah. not any better than Hulk Hogan dipping his hand in the water. <laughs> it's not hot. Yeah, exactly. Not that or much the White Castle man. of Fear, any of no, that stuff. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, anyway, well, not to be upstaged by Ken Shamrock, Big Show is going to come out to help here, and he comes out. But as you remember, when Ken Shamrock came out, he brought that baseball bat, and Taker takes his bat and nails Big Show across the head. I mean, it's a gimmick bat, but it breaks, man, yeah. and it looks—it's a cool visual. I just want to say, man, he sold it well. Um, God, it's it's awesome. So Big Show is able to take out everybody except for Midian and the Undertaker, though, before Undertaker takes him out. So he knocks out a lot of the guys. But Undertaker tries to rush things along with Bearer, and Bearer says, Of course, by the power vested in me by the Lord of Darkness, I now pronounce you as the unholy union of darkness. Oh, man, I love it when people write their own battles. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tells yes. Undertaker to kiss his bride, and here comes the interruption we've all been waiting for. The glass breaks. Stone Cold runs out, finally coming to save the day. Slugs it away with Taker, who bails, uh, and then Austin nails Midian with a stunner, and then hands out concussions to everybody in the Ministry of Darkness <laughs> with some just vicious chair shots, oh, unprotected yeah. to everybody in the Ministry here before finally untying Stephanie McMahon, who gives Austin a reluctant hug, and then Austin hands Stephanie back to Vince to end the show on a happy note, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd say so for the characters involved. It's a happy note, but it is, Austin sells this well. He definitely he doesn't hug Stephanie back. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the spawn of his Satan and his in his play here. <laughs> right, you know? right. Um, he, she's the spawn of, his, of the Satan he fights against. So, you know, and JR says, you know, it, it's because it's the right thing to do, not because he cares for Vince, which I do appreciate him putting that over. Yeah. You know, Austin hasn't suddenly gone back on the last 15 months of his life and, you know, come turn the corner. He's just, it's the right thing to do to save a poor defenseless, you know, girl. So I guess Big Show talked him into it earlier backstage. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> uh, yep. So that's where things anyway. leave off on Raw. Like, yeah, I mean, the the characters are acting in the way you would think they would logically act. That makes sense for Stone Cold's character uh, that he would be willing to do that at the last possible second. So yeah, I do buy that. And but I'm not sure as we move on to our next thing if I think this is really how these characters would act. But let's talk about that right because we're gonna move on to a pretty historic show here <clears throat> as we're coming up on the. 20th or what is it the 2000th episode what is it or 1000th episode what's 1000th episode okay the 1000th episode of smackdown is coming up very very soon and we're gonna cover the pilot episode right here from march 29th 1999 yeah, it's it's yeah April twenty ninth ninety nine. It's filmed on twenty seventh. So if you look at it on the network, it says it's April twenty seventh, but it actually didn't come on TV till twenty ninth. They filmed it the night after Raw on Tuesday, but it, it debuted on Thursday. So I have never seen this episode in full. I know what happens as I was in the internet mark and I got online and read what happens. But um, I just this starts the Thursday night wars for me, man, and for yeah. you too, you know, because we got Thunder and SmackDown. Like, of course, it doesn't come on until August, but um, this is the pilot. Um, and I just, man, I can't put over this opening riff, this opening song. It's the best oh, opening man. song for any WWF thing ever. I love it. I'm not going to go that it. far, but, dude, it, it brought back oh, the memories, it. man. Uh, <laughs> it was 
It was fun to hear uh, it again. I had no idea so what any of the words are. Nope. I remember <laughs> you and I used to say, we thought it was... Pippin' you know? all around. <laughs> Big show, Big Jericho. show, Jericho. Yeah. had <laughs> no idea. So, um... Yeah, man, but it's it's a big deal because DRAF is on broadcast TV for the first time in seven years. Not cable, you know. This is UPN. Yeah. Don't know what it stands for. Don't care. But it's on. <laughs> it's on broadcast. You know. It which was a big I'm deal. I'm pretty sure just kept, covered this recently. Yeah. In his in his show, and it's kind of big deal. So. Of course, UPN no longer exists, but at the time it was an upstart broadcast network along with the WB going up against the Big Four networks. It's been around for a few years, but actually. You know, my cable company, I remember, didn't even carry UPN at the time. So I could not. I, I remember watching the highlights of this on the weekend shows, the Superstars or mm, yeah. whatever the weekend shows were back at that time. Um, but, yeah, I believe UPN, they did finally add it when the fall season came around. So I think I was able yeah. to watch the actual <clears throat> series run, but I remember not being able to see the pilot and being very disappointed about it. But, of course, this was... Yeah. Probably, you know, it was a big deal for WWF, but it was really honestly a bigger deal for UPN because they were. <laughs> yeah. not, UPN was a broadcast network, but they were the home of such fine programming as uh, Shasta McNasty, uh, Homeboys in Outer Space, Moesha, um, the Molaf, Mo Fun, Mo Laughs, Moesha. Remember that billboard in our of hometown? <laughs> Yeah, the mullets was on there with yep. the guy from Joe Schmo too. Yep, and uh, your favorite show, the uh, claymation <laughs> series, Gary and Mike. <laughs> I saw one episode of your house. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> Pooping. <laughs> I. Uh, it's, it's so good. You know, if you Google oh, Gary so and good. Mike, that's the first thing that comes up. Gary and Mike is pooping. it? Really? We'll have to put it on our social media then. <laughs> That's excellent. That's a shoot. I did not know that. Yeah. We did not script that. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah. It's incredible. Even though UPN is nothing special, certainly at this point, it's a pretty huge blow against WCW, I think, in the yeah. wrestling war to come out on network television and be able to say that. And honestly, it does give UPN a boost. I think it was immediately like their highest rated program and pretty much was until oh, yeah. UPN became the CW, merged with WB. Yep. Absolutely. And all they do now is uh, uh, DC comic shows, so there you go. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which I love them all, but that's all they do now. They don't have any kind of programming like this on it. So, but anyway, um, this is a really cool episode. I was it was really fun to go back and watch this because I hadn't seen it. So um, we opened the show with, of course, your two biggest baby faces, apparently Vince and Stephanie coming out. <laughs> Not but the crowd's out. And, right? Yeah, as I'm saying, Vince is getting called and an a-hole by the crowd i mean just loud as ever been and he kind of just was like yeah hopefully i can change and i have been that in the past so hopefully i can change so and i just wrote my notes man like face vents is not working like the crowd is not going to do that they're not buying him. it man. they're not going to turn no no but like nope. you said he which tries, is the point we keep making <laughs> yeah he uh he tries to soldier on through it he ends up Thanking Shamrock, Big Show, and Stone Cold for their help on, on Monday night. And then Stephanie gets on the mic, and yeesh. No. <laughs> she thanks this them as well. This does not age well. No, it does not. Uh, she says that on Monday night, or Sunday night, whenever, she was taken against my well, stripped of my clothes, violated and touched by The Undertaker. And I quote all of that. A, that's disgusting. 
B, <laughs> this crowd in 1999 <laughs> pops huge when they hear yes. that. When she says, stripped of my clothes, they're like, yay! When I say, and he kept touching me, she's like, they're like, yay! I mean, it is, it is horrifying to watch in this day and age. Oh, man. But yeah, it was it talking about me too. This did not age well at all. So um but it was a different time, different era, you know, so it's what it is. It's supposed to get heel heat, but it got baby face pops, so yeah. I don't know <laughs> That's what that the means. Problem with all this, man. <laughs> yeah. oh. But uh So she helps she says she helps Undertaker Burns in Hades and then her brother comes out. Yes, Shane leads the corporation out. And you can tell here that Triple H, uh, who we're gonna be talking about here, we haven't said didn't mention the match at the beginning of the show, but the match that we're covering is, and we're not going to get any actual build to it necessarily, but the match we're covering is a triple threat with Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Triple H in the main event of No Mercy. Yes, sorry. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, uh, but I want to mention that Triple H here is slowly, or quickly, becoming the cornerstone of the corporation now that The Rock yeah. was eliminated on Monday Night Raw, and you know, Triple H is coming out first here with Shane and the corporation and he's starting to get that real push here to the top of the car. We're starting to see the evolution of the game character uh, starting to come into formation here. Yeah, and I think on Raw he just debuted in the trunks the night before or two days before this or whatever, hadn't he? Or maybe not, but he had I that he had that during theme music. Build. Yeah. Maybe that's later, but he he had that theme music that it's it's my time, which is my favorite. Um theme music is ever but it's kind of it's like the generic one without the lyrics and stuff so really cool to see that because he had some bobo music in between like yeah or no i think he's gonna get that soon i'm sorry i think i'm getting out of order here sorry but what he did have was some creative wrestler music it sounded like big cash's theme it was awful it's it was awful yeah it's like creative wrestler number four on no mercy exactly the video game or something <laughs> it's so bad yeah that's right i apologize i'm getting ahead of myself so but he's he's going to like you said, he's moving into a more prominent role. He's going to get some better suited music, and he's going to get the trunks soon. So, yeah, we'll be covering him a little bit here because, yeah, he's in this triple threat match we're eventually going to cover here on Talking Take. <laughs> so. That's right. Uh, well, Shane, in his promo, he basically sends Vince and Steph away from the building, and then he books a match for the night with The Rock and Stone Cold as tag team partners here for the first time ever. Yeah. Shane asks the corporation who wants to face them, and Triple H volunteers first. And then Shane, uh, in a funny little pun, asks, are there any other takers? And that yeah. <laughs> brings up the taker on the Tron, who says to Austin, Austin, this past Monday, you ruined a very special ceremony. I was moments away from making Stephanie my bride. Monday night, you played the role of the spoilers. Tonight... I Judge, jury, execution. Court. Yeah, so here we go. More murder. He's going to kill him. Yep. <laughs> Tonight, Bomb him so. alive. Yep, probably so. So, yeah, but it's cool. It's cool to see this match is going to be, you know, four huge names, you know, again. So, in hindsight, it's need to look back and see that. So, um, yeah, so it's gonna be Taker and Triple H to face Rock and Austin. Which man, what a big man! If you're coming out, you're coming out swinging for your debut on a broadcast. They're trying you know, to, man. Television show. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> well, then the Rock is a promo in the ring later on, and he's um, 
he's running down Shane, Triple H, and the corporation, and he says that he and Austin will team up, but they're not friends. And and Austin comes out to the ring, and this is some of my favorite stuff I've ever seen from Austin. He's walking as he does his four corner post, like get up and pose. Every time he walks by the rock, he just double flicks him off. <laughs> <as he walks by. laughs> it just kind of gives him the sideways eyes. He doesn't really like make direct contact with him. He's not overselling it. You know, it's just subtle, but it's so funny to me, man. Which is Austin's great. underrated as a he's underrated as a comedian. <laughs> well, they he's, should not be immediately right, friends, even though right. Rock is babyface now. They have been feuding for months. They just fought the last pay-per-view. Uh, but And they're forced to tag with each other, but they still don't like each other, even though the crowd right. cheers for them. It has not changed who they are as characters. Right. Absolutely. And they're, they're taking jabs at each other, and probably for a shoot, too, because I know Austin's, at this point, he's talked about, you know, he's trying to protect his spot because Rock's rising up, and he says he'll always see Rock as a punk kid out here spitting out nursery rhymes, which I thought was pretty funny. I think Triple H says that a little bit later on too, and they kind of—you can tell Triple H and Rock have some heat between them in real oh, yeah. life too, when they go back and forth. And they both admitted that, you know, they're older, wiser men now, but back then they were all these guys were all vying for the same spot. Man, Absolutely. Top. So, so yeah, Shane comes out again, as if we didn't have enough corporation. So, and here he's going to tell us about his plan getting bigger, bigger, and better. And I'll let you take it from here. Well, that brings out the Undertaker to interrupt Shane McMahon, who stands side by side. With The Undertaker at this moment, and Shane asks, are you beginning to understand now, talking to Rock and Austin? Are you feeling the power? And then Shane says, well, let me spell it out for you a little bit more. So then Triple H and Paul Bearer walk out together, and then the rest of the ministry and the rest of the corporation come out as the announcers, who the announcers for this show are Cornette, again, on commentary, yeah. along with Michael Cole this time. They start screaming, well, it's a merger from hell. And... Shane says, Austin Rock, let me introduce you to the corporate ministry. There you go. The corporate ministry, as we know it, is born on this night. And I, uh, yeah, I didn't get to see this live. I hate that. But, um, man, this doesn't make any sense. We'll see where it's going. It but, really doesn't. But I will say, I do like the, the, the play we're going to get eventually. I like it better for some reason than the ministry. Maybe because it's less dark. Maybe because it's less over tones of this satanic like cult leader like but again this guy we just told like we talked about last week's episode this guy's just mark now he's mark he's not he's not he's playing a character the character's gone to his head well then why the heck is he in cahoots with shame at man here then like i don't get it I, it just doesn't make any sense storytelling wise but yeah what whatever. does either guy accomplish from joining up with the other one that's what i don't fully understand and i right. don't know if they fully explain it I don't think they do in this build, and I'm not sure if they are going to in the months to come either. But yeah, we might get to that with the higher power. I can't remember, but we'll see as we unfold in these <laughs> chapters and rewrite them. So, it, uh, um, to me, I don't know if I like it better because to me, it feels like we're almost we're we're just blowing through storyline at this point rapidly, and they yeah. corporate ministry has at this point basically become like a bloated NWO. Sort of the same yeah. problem they had. You know, NWO was great when there was three, four, five, six guys or so, and eventually it became twenty guys with all these jobbers in there. Yeah. And the corporate ministry is now like a dozen guys together. To me, it really is. That's some people may like that. To me, I like a faction to be no more than five or six guys. That's when it starts to get yeah. out of control no, for me. I, yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I just like where the storyline is headed with one of my favorite, most underrated underrated um 
factions ever. I got I love you. them, but uh, we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. why I love this this uh, corporate ministry merger. But I just want to say the merger from hell. WCW was calling that the, the AOL Time Warner merger that eventually led to their uh, death. So corporate ministry, AOL Time Warner, whatever you want to call it, this merger from hell. So same level. anyway. Anyway, um, I want to mention this, dude. Drop this line there. Uh, I would encourage anyone to go back and watch this episode of SmackDown because um, for the first time ever, The Brood speaks. And hands down, the worst promo I've ever seen in my life is Gangrel. <laughs> he's worse than the guys on What Happened When last week. <laughs> but don't you so He's bad. He gets, it's on he, that he, same level. Oh, he's never spoken before in front of people. You can tell he gets all flustered. And, and then Edge gives the cheesiest over-the-top promo, but he's, you know, he's all right. He's not that but, much better. No, but he's, yeah, yeah, it's awful. But but that's, you know, that's what we're talking about here, like the evolution of one person's character. That's a cool thing to see. Right. And we're going to talk about Edge a yeah, lot on this show. But, yeah, sure. but go back and look at that as far as, you know, Edge's promos are one of his, his best things later on as he became the Radar Superstar. Yeah. And he, I mean, <laughs> legit Hall of Famer. He came a long mm-hmm. way from this promo here with uh old oh, Doc yeah. Hendricks. oh yeah who they call michael they're breaking the fourth wall here too mm-hmm. they call him michael they out him as michael hayes so uh yeah everybody's just playing a character now man playing a character so anyway shamrock beats bradshaw in a match for some reason uh and then we get the main event which is again a huge match man we got triple h coming out with the corporation taker comes out with paul bear and shame it man by side which i thought was a nice little twist there um shane's not coming out the corporation waits to come out with taker so pretty cool and um rocks starts solo of course and austin is going to come in late like that's his signature like if he's a tag partner he's going to come in late and save the day kind of which i didn't really notice until we keep going throughout this build-up <laughs> that's kind of his signature spot so yeah <laughs> and it's pandemonium everywhere Cornette says so it is and you brought up a good point in your notes here that the boss man right now is fighting side by side with the undertaker because the corporate ministry is going to yeah. come in and interfere at the end of this match. The dude that just yeah. hung the big boss man four yeah. weeks ago is now fighting side um. by side with him. And we don't really understand why at this point it's all nothing matters. We're, we're getting really into that era here, but, uh, big show Shannon and Tess come out to help the good guys as chaos going on as, uh, Shane slides a chair into the Undertaker, but Vince ends up punching his son Shane in the face, saves Austin from a chair shot, Taker nails Vince in the head with a stiff yeah. chair shot. Uh, stands Stiffsky, over, man. <laughs> Taker stands over Vince, uh, celebrating it, but then eats a Stone Cold Stunner. So yep. Shane attacks Vince, and then he gets a Stunner from Austin, and we end the show with Austin. Uh, chugging some beers, celebrating. That's how the premiere episode of SmackDown goes off the air. And again, this was just originally shot as a one-off special, uh, sort of a test run. And yeah. like you said, they're throwing everything out there to try to earn that spot yeah. on the uh, fall schedule, and it worked. Um, and one other interesting thing, I just think it's cool that we're getting to see Triple H and Undertaker teaming up as a tag team for the first time ever, and. Here we are 20 years later, and they're going to be main eventing a pay-per-view here at the uh, Super Smackdown <laughs> Under, as you like to call it here. Yeah, uh, very timely. Man, it's neat to see yeah. how far they've come and their evolution, if you will. No, oh, I will, man. Evolution, Triple H, absolutely. Not the, not the women's pay-per-view, but yeah. Yeah, not that. Um, yeah, that's coming up too. But anyway, yeah, they're going to be at Smackdown Under, whatever the heck it's called. That's what I'm going to call it. 
So, um, yeah, it's really neat, man, to see this kind of coinciding with that. So the first time they team up here. So cool stuff. I can't recommend that episode of SmackDown enough. It's fun to watch and it's fun to see the first one. But that's going to bring sure. us to Heat. Yeah, it is. Um, Heat, two days later, I guess, you know, or three days later, we got Heat 40 on May 2nd. Uh, we recap the formation of the ministry, basically. And then you got two limos. Everybody's getting out, you know. Then you have this weird thing where Michael Cole, investigative journalist, gives this, like, recap of the four generations of the McMahons that have taken over WWF and they have all this integrity and yada yada and until Shane respect, disrespect events. And then he talks about the unholy wedding and all the recent goings on and says, is it all a coincidence or is Shane in on it? And then Shane kind of pitches a hissy fit backstage and um, you have some other stuff going on through the night. I don't want to break into every single thing, but you got all kind of basically you got people from what's going to become a, a stable we're going to talk about. Um, we got them feuding with the ministry, corporate ministry. Like you got Shamrock and Test and, and Mankind and Big Show. They're all kind of interacting with the corporate ministry members and Big Show's hunting for Taker. And um, yeah, some neat stuff. But um, yeah, it's all really essentially setting up tomorrow night's episode of Raw. And also Shane McMahon and the corporate ministry, they come out with some new music. Uh, to cut a promo, it's the first time we hear the mashup of the No Chance in Hell song along with the Ministry's music, the Undertaker's music. So uh, very recognizable there. Um, and I always yeah. enjoy when they do the mashup <laughs> theme song. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, but Shane McMahon absolutely. sets up some matches for Over the Edge, which we're going to cover on next week's episode of Talking Taker. Uh, most importantly, it's going to be Rock and Triple H and... Austin versus Undertaker for the WWF Championship. And this time, Shane McMahon is going to be the referee yet again for Stone Cold Steve Austin's matchup to try to screw him out of the title one more time. Yep, one more time. As if one's wasn't enough. Let's keep it rolling. Because <laughs> if uh, that's one thing that they like to go to a lot, is the special referee stuff and people getting arrested. I think Big Show got arrested on this episode of Heat as well oh for breaking God. the limo windows out. I want to mention too, all four of those. Or he's he's got two by four with him. So that's keep that in your in your mind as we talk about what's going to happen up here on this episode of Raw. We're getting to on May third, nineteen ninety nine. And I just want to say this is one of my favorite episodes of Raw. I don't know why. I just remember it like it was yesterday. This one and the next week we're going to cover two of my favorite episodes. Um, I just like the way they're structured. I like the storytelling throughout them. Really fun, man. Really fun. They are great companion pieces to each other. They are These two episodes of Raw go hand in yes. hand. And I know I've been down on a lot of the stuff we've been covering the past few weeks of the show. It's been kind of torturous to go through, in my opinion. <laughs> but... God, these two episodes raw, they woke me back up. They reinvigorated yeah. my spirit. They were so much fun, so easy to watch. Uh, and we'll, yeah, we'll try to run through the important stuff on here real quick. But Raw's from May 3rd to May 10th, 1999. If you want to see the all the awesome stuff of the Attitude Era, watch these two episodes of yeah. Raw right here. A lot of stuff you can skip yep. through, but watch all of these two episodes front to back. Oh yeah, this it's just crazy and just amazing and just like, again, this is the the peak of Russo stuff, like his style of TV and his his writing. We got this crash TV stuff, but it's it's perfect, man. It, it plays so well, and everyone has a role. Everything intertwines. Everything makes uh makes sense. So, well, 
almost everything makes sense. So <laughs> I'll leave that, leave that nugget dangling there for you. So we got the core ministry kicking off the show. Again, Shane's running down the fans. Hunter runs down the rock for a shoot. Bear's holding the mic for Taker, which that's Bear's new thing. He, he's a, he's yeah. the, the microphone holder for Taker. So it's a shame. He's taking a step back. I know, man. But um, Taker and, delivers Taker a great says, quote I here. Everyone. I hate everyone. <laughs> but there's no one he hates more than Stone Cold. So right. when they meet it over the edge, he's gonna. the Undertaker says, I'm going to play the executioner. And I thought, oh, God, please don't play the executioner, man. <laughs> No Terry one needs Gordy? to see that again. <laughs> bam, bam. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't want that anymore. Uh, oh, yeah. And he, he says, says he's going to sacrifice Austin to a power even greater than I. So, again, they leave that thread out there for you. They've mentioned it a couple times. We're going to pick up on it in a few months. But he says, after I take your title over the edge, I'm going to sacrifice you to a power even greater than I. So, which is really neat to see. And um, Ace uh, Shane gives Vince two hours to get here tonight for his master plan. And, at this point, man, we've got – this is the group I'm talking about, man. I love these guys. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, man. Mankind, Ken Shamrock, Test, and The Big Show all come out together to interrupt the corporate ministry's promo here. They've all, they're all carrying Hacksaw Jim Duggan's two-by-fours uh, that he let him borrow here. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mankind is leading the way here, saying that they are all disgruntled former employees of the corporation – which is a yeah so cool I, I like continuity that. yeah absolutely yeah. and so what do disgruntled former employees do they're gonna form a union against <laughs> Shane McMahon uh, yeah he's like we don't have any fancy initials like SAG like Screen Actors Guild or he gives another one I don't know but he's like we're just a union of people that you ought to respect Shane he's like wait a minute we do have initials up yours and <laughs> dude I just for, as a thirteen year old man I love that dude I don't know why. I loved it. It was so great, man. They head to the ring and start laying waste to these corporate ministry jabronis as like the main event players basically get out unscathed. And and I just want to say too, man, like the crowd immediately starts going union, union. So these dudes are already over with like like that, just the blink of an eye, man. The crowd's chanting union. They got a name, you know. They have some crappy music coming up soon. Um, Mankind oh, can get great. anything over, man. He can freaking sock, dude. Like, and up yours, the union. I just, I mean, I love the union. I don't know why they're short lived, but I don't know yeah, if it's WrestleMania means- 2000 or the No Mercy video game. They had them on there, and their music was like union, which is not anything we hear. <laughs> not yet. For this no. generic creative wrestler, yeah. They do get their own music oh, on here, good which stuff, is, man. I love because they're only around for like a month, but they get their own music and yeah. entrance and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's fantastic. And I just want to talk about real quick. Can we talk about the incredibly hilarious irony of the fact that Vince McMahon is booking a group called the union to be his big baby face <laughs> faction. And we know how much Mr. Man hates the idea of wrestlers forming a union, but here they are. The union is the big baby face group. Oh, and yeah, Vince is going to join them. <laughs> I uh, know. It's a man going to join the union. That's just hilarious to me. Against the corporation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's going to rage against the machine. Like, <laughs> yeah, just in a, in a, in a moment of irony. It's hilarious, man, to look back on. So I never thought about it that way until you just pointed it out. So that's great. It's so funny. So, um, speaking of new music, uh, we got the debut of an iconic, mm. iconic attitude era 
theme song here, and that's Billy Gunn's music. So I just want to say a travesty so of human composition. That song is so bad. It's so <laughs> iconic, though. But, yeah, sorry. That debut's here, too, though. You love to pick him and stick him. <laughs> a little tight-wing stop him on a dime. <laughs> Why is he standing on a dime? I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, so yeah, Billy Gunn and X-Pac have a match after that opening segment, and then immediately we get the corporation, the corporate ministry coming out yet again. So a little yes. bit of overkill here, but it's going to lead to yeah. nothing. As Shane McMahon says that he's made a few lineup changes to the show tonight in response to the union. Uh, while he's saying that, we see Vince, Stephanie, and for the first time ever, Linda McMahon making their way yeah. all into the arena. Uh, so Shane has his clipboard out, and he makes a few changes to the card. He basically makes a bunch of handicap matches for all the union members. Uh, or, yeah. You know, very difficult, challenging matches for them, uh, except for Big Show. Uh, Big Show is going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker uh, later on tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the main event is going to be Rock and Austin, with the corporate ministry on the outside as lumberjacks. So as he's saying all that, Vince is going to make his way out to the ring and actually gets a babyface reaction here. He does. He does. Um, he's flanked by Stephanie, Linda, and some cops, and he warns uh, Shane not to take this too far and says that you're, you know, your family doesn't support you. And um, like you said, it's his Linda's on-screen debut, and Shane challenges Vince Vince to a match tonight. He says, "How about it, Pop?" Which I just thought <laughs> nice old callback to Pete Rose here. Absolutely. <laughs> so Linda then gets on the mic and tries to talk some sense into Shane. And before she can get pretty much more than three words out of his mouth, he's like, "You shut your mouth." I, I thought about wedding crashes. He's like, "You shut your mouth." When you're talking to me. So that's what I can <laughs> picture there. And then Vince grabs Shane by the you know his lapel of his jacket here, and, and you don't talk to his mom that way. You, know, oh, you don't no. talk to your mother that way. Not at all. So, I mean, Vince can later on and, you know, make oh, out with people God. in front of her and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. But, you know, at this point in time, we don't. And then Shane goes here and he drops his bombshell that we've been waiting for. He says that he was the mastermind behind Stephanie's abduction. It was me. Good what? God. I knew if Daddy's little girl was in a weakened position that you would crumble. That you would leave the business like a hot potato, and I was there to pick up the pieces. How do you think the Undertaker got into our house? How do you think he got Stephanie's little teddy bear? How do you think that the pictures were taken? It was Shane! Which brings me to wonder, those pictures that she had were like of her... Like risque, so did Shane take pictures of his own sister <laughs> and then give him the take? She she didn't say that the pictures of her uh, were risque. I know, I know. I'm but, just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, this does uh, it's some convenient retconning here. Yeah, uh, I'll buy it. I'll allow it, but and it lets the Undertaker off the hook a little bit from being a super sure. mega creep. But let's still remember the fact that Undertaker sent Stephanie pictures of himself. <laughs> In of what we don't know, but Undertaker oh. undressed Stephanie and put her in the wedding outfit. She mm-hmm. did say that, and she yep. did say that he touched her uh, last week w- during the wedding, and they, they ha- had his hands over yep. her. So he was undressing her. So this was not just some psychological mind games, whatever that Shane is masterminding here. Undertaker, yeah, in canon, did some gross stuff with <laughs> stephanie too i just want to let's not forget about uh, yeah. that 
he's still a disgusting perverted creep here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mark is here at this point, whoever it is. So, yeah, no, you're right. And this is going to set Vince off. We got angry Vince. He's not weepy and ropey anymore. And he is basically says that um, he's going to take – I mean, well, I'm sorry. Let me, let me pause real quick. He says that he's going to uh, take on – Shane tonight, and uh, he goes to attack him, and uh, they the corporate ministry lays the boots to him, and they back off pretty quickly, and um, Linda and Stephanie tend to him, and the match is on tonight, and Vince is going to send them to the hotel with the cops so they won't see the match. So I guess their hotel doesn't have USA Network on it. So anyway, <laughs> but and another little bit of irony and just sheer funny to look back and see. I, I forgot to mention this when you were talking about the matches that Shane's making. Um, when he makes that Rock and Austin match, Hunter leans over in his ear and whispers something into it. And I just, he, that's the idea he got to make the Lumberjacks, which I just thought how funny that he's leaning into his future brother-in-law's ear making matches, you know, like that's what Hunter does nowadays. So it's just kind of funny to look back and see pretty that cool. irony too. So yeah, yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, another thing that was pretty cool on this show was we see the Stooges facing off against Rodney and Pete Gass in a <laughs> basically it's not really a match it's such a fight but I tell you what man this crowd is, loves it they yes. this crowd I think part of what makes this episode of Raw so great is this crowd and they next were, week's yep they were crazy loud during X-Pac and Billy Gunn earlier in the show oh, yeah. they're like shaking the camera stomping on the ground they go nuts for Patterson and Briscoe beating up yeah. uh, the the Main Street Posse which is I don't know why the crowd loved that so much because they're going to love yeah. it again the next week and it's going to be one of the highest rated segments of all time. But for some reason, yeah, and, and I love it watching it now. I just don't, I don't get it, but I love it. Oh yeah. I mean, either it's great though, man. And it's good stuff, man. I really enjoyed this whole episode. Like I said, and then you got so much storytelling. Like we don't need to break down all the matches that Shane booked, but basically they're all going to be just, progressing the story the corporate ministry and the union are going to fight during every single match basically yes. they're going to screw each other in and out of matches and one little thing too is that we got the corporate ministry backstage walking for a quote-unquote office call they say and then later on in the night we're going to see hunter china and taker and bearer leave vince's office and the doors open and you see taker kind of putting the boots to him and walking away um so they've you know kind of softening him up for the blow that he's going to take with his match for shane so um and that that's that actually happens the next thing. And so um, Shane wants the ref to count as Vince won't make it. He staggers out. Shane beats him up. Vince hits a clothesline, a stone cold stunner, and he pins Shane McMahon. And um, I just wrote that that probably should have been saved for a pay-per-view. Yeah. But they're rushing through segments. They're rushing through storyline. Like you mentioned, you know, all this stuff is just going 90 miles an hour. And it's really cool to see. But I was just like, man, dang, that could have been saved. For no mercy, you know? Well, or probably, not no mercy, but for the next week, uh, over the edge. Yeah, so. they could have saved the Big Show and Undertaker's first encounter yeah. for pay-per-view, too. But they do build it up a lot on commentary throughout the night, saying it's going to be a big deal mm -hmm. for these two guys. And they're still treating Big Show as a huge star, as a big free agent coming over. And they have a nice little uh, short TV match. They go right after each yeah. other and show show manhandles Undertaker, man. He, he mm -hmm. picks him up, throws him into the corner, and Taker even stumbles going for the perfect 10 uh, when Show comes yeah, out of the ring. He actually doesn't quite hit the perfect 10, which is, I think, the first time we've ever seen that. And then we yeah. get <laughs> something ridiculous we just have to talk about here. <laughs> oh, As, yeah. Uh, so Undertaker is stumbling. He, he's weary by the big show. 
Thankfully, Paul Bearer has the secret bottle of ether at the ready, and he <laughs> starts getting the cloth ready to go. My undertaker says, nay, nay, uh, no more with that cloth. <laughs> Let me just rub it all over my elbow pad instead yeah. and head back into the ring. And um... I'm so glad you pointed this out on your notes as well. Because <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. As they always do, the commentary team, as soon as they see the Smells bottle of it. ether, yeah, they smell it a mile away. They are on the other side Bye. of the ring talking about how strong that ether smell is. And yet, neither the referee nor the big show seem to notice it at all. Yeah. They're two feet away from Taker. Uh-huh. They're unaffected by it. They're not acknowledging it. But yeah, JR and King are like, oh, what? my God, it's an awful smell. Yada, yada. It's just the front row can smell it. It's just terrible. And yeah, like he said, show's not selling it. The referee's not. So it's just nope. like, come on, man. Let's be a little bit more uh, realistic here. But whatever. It's it's crazy, man. So yeah, he puts it on his elbow pad and gets uh, Big Show in a sleeper hold. But it doesn't put the big man down all the way. He gets right. down to, to one knee, doesn't take him out, and then Bear slides a baseball bat. And this is the part I mentioned last week's Raw or whatever it was, or SmackDown is where so he hits him with a baseball bat. around the ringside area? <laughs> I have no idea. They're, they're really big in the lumber at this point. I got two by fours and baseball bats. So, but um, I don't know. But this is the part where Taker breaks it over his head. This is the one I meant to mention. This is the gimmick one. You can see Show do a blade job as he's about to get hit with it. But it's really cool. Um, Taker oh, yeah. hits him and chokes him out. And I just wrote, man, it's a well produced, well gimmicked, well sold by Big Show. Um, DQ finish, of course. But it's just, man, it really looks cool. Really looks cool, and they sell it really well. Later, showing Big Show up close, close, his eyes are all puffy and stuff. Like it just, it looks really good. It so. was well done, man. I, I enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun throwback with the ether rag. Oh yeah, there. I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the end of the show was really fun too. It, oh my goodness! It's Austin and Rock, uh, like we said in that lumberjack match, and it quickly turns into a massive brawl, and eventually the entire roster ends up running out. And getting involved in all yeah. of this. Uh, literally everyone, not just the Ministry and Union, everyone, Godfather, Hardcore Holly, Xbox, oh, brood. all these guys yeah. come out. Al Snow, Mark Henry, D'Lo, all these guys come out. It's a Pier 6 brawl. Everyone is fighting each other, you know, which is not unlike what we saw recently on an actual episode of Monday Night Raw here in 2018. Sure. So yeah. Rock's getting swarmed by China and Triple H and Taker on the stage. Um I think that, oh yeah, is this part where Austin and Taker had fought into the brood's little hole, little entrance yeah, hole? Yeah, they're fighting over whatever. by their stage, and then the stage lowers <laughs> yeah. down, and they slip into yeah. the brood's hole. Yeah. Whoa, be careful how you say that. <laughs> so then they come back out uh, of the brood's hole, and Taker ends up tossing Austin off the stage through some tables there. And yeah. The show ends with Undertaker, Triple H, and China standing tall. Yeah, Rockets tossed off. Like he gets hit in the head with a light bulb or something, like a big like stage light by Hunter, and he gets tossed off the stage basically. And then yeah, Austin takes a table bump off of the stage. I did not remember that. I remember this episode of Raw. I did not remember this table bump because he pretty much protects himself when it comes to this kind of stuff on after his neck issue. But I and it was really cool to see that. And yeah, that yeah. last camera shot is Austin and Rock kind of in the rubble down there, and Taker and Hunter and China posing. And I just wrote, man, that's how you get heat, man. Absolutely. That's how you get heat on the baby face. I mean, on the heels for the baby faces to have their, you know, get their, get their one up eventually. Man, this is a fun show from start to finish, and just good stuff, man. Really good show. Really enjoyed it. Can't recommend it enough. 
Uh, the next week's show is really fun, too, but I uh, just want to point out a couple of things on Heat from May 9th, 1999. Uh, the big thing I want to point out is that uh, Big Show takes on Midian, and they actually show a video package recapping Big Show and Undertaker's rivalry here before the match. <laughs> Uh, almost as if Big Show and Undertaker are going to be fighting at the pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, even though they're not. And that video package is Uh, three times as long as the match itself because, thank uh, God, Big Show just squashes Midian with three moves. And then (laughs) he goes over to the corner and grabs Midian's little souvenir eyeball that he carries around in his glass case. Yeah, his pet. Opens it up and squeezes the eyeball until it pops. And then shoves it into Midian's mouth. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, this is so good, man. Midian is drunk. Undertaker's blood and eyes eating his pet eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> he should remember when Tommy Dreamer had that thing where he would eat anything weird, like yeah. in 2002. Or, uh, I guess Midian started that here as his character. <laughs> Maybe. Just, that's where oh, he was man. Inspired it's from. crazy. Yeah, that's. It's, yeah, but, and basically, so he calls out, he being Big Show, calls out uh, Taker, and he says, and Taker comes on Titantron and says, go ahead, finish Midian off, because he, he's willing to face the ultimate price, and he says, uh, I have to skin a snake first, and then I will come face-to-face with you, and I'm going to take your eye out and give it to Midian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, love poor it, Midian. man. Love poor it. Midian. Yeah, I know, poor guy. He, you know, he's amazing how tall he is. Like, Dennis and I was a big guy. No yeah, doubt. a big guy. Um, this is the night Triple H debuts with his My Time music without the lyrics. So I just want to say that. And his little trunks. So, um, And also, the Acolytes win the tag titles. Not really, though, but it's kind of neat. They actually win. They beat uh, X-Pac and Kane, except for Road Dogg is subbing in for Kane. So they actually get the win, but don't get the tag titles. So uh, okay. a little coup a little coup in the hat for the corporate ministry there. Yeah. yeah. But um, And then we get corporate ministry discussing their game plan backstage before Rock comes out and he apparently broke his arm on Raw getting thrown off the stage. He's got this Bobo cast it's on. The fakest looking cast you'll oh. ever see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like one you made in like health class when your <laughs> teacher made you do it. Like It's ridiculous. And um, yeah, basically he just says, I'm going to beat uh, uh, Triple H. And the corporate ministry comes out. Union comes out. They start brawling. Krause Chan and Austin. But he's not there. So um, that brings us to the Raw. The one. The big kahuna. It is. It's the highest rated episode ever of Monday Night Raw. Scored an 8.1 rating, which, to put that into context, I believe Raw now typically does, what, around a 2-point set or 3-point something-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Lower 3 range. And the ratings are different. You know, there's a lot more channels nowadays. Sure. the, The situation is different, but still... A huge, huge difference between the peak of peak of wrestling in North America, yeah. uh, right there, uh, as far as what ratings meant. And obviously, you know, WWF's make or WWE's making more money than ever with their licensing deals and all that. So it's a, it's a different mm-hmm. world. But pointing to where were the most people watching, right here, May tenth, nineteen ninety nine, and it is one of the best episodes of Raw ever, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, mine too. And I do want to mention one thing again. History is written by the winners, and uh, I'm going to sound like a WCW shill here, but Raw is unopposed here. Okay, oh, so yeah. Nitro is preempted for the playoffs, so it, they do get 8.1. But some people are like 8.1, and no one watched Nitro. I'm like, no, but Nitro wasn't there. Yeah. Now, not being I mean, again, but WWF put their best foot forward on this freaking night, just they like did. they did on the SmackDown pilot. 
this could have been a this could have been a, a pay-per-view this whole night. It's awesome. They got great stuff going on, and they got two of the three excuse me, two of the top three highest rated quarter hours ever in the history of Raw are on this night. So and it's you'll be amazed what they're for too. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, this show this show is fan service, dude. It it's kind of yeah. kind of reminds me of All In. You know, All In was a very yeah. fan friendly. Everyone went home happy. That's this episode mm-hmm. of Raw because it's going to be a response to last week's episode where Shane came out and screwed over all the union guys because the union and the corporation, excuse me, I keep saying corporation, corporate ministry, they're all going to come out to start the show. But all of a sudden, Commissioner Shawn Michaels is going to appear on the Titan Tron for the first time in a while. He's going to give Shane McMahon a taste of his own medicine and basically rebook this entire show on the fly, just like Shane McMahon did last week. So that means that this time the Acolytes are going to face each other in a Lumberjack match. Cactus Jack is going to face Viscera and Midian in a hardcore match. And he specifies Cactus Jack, not Mankind. The uh, Stooges are going to face the Posse again in a Loser Leaves Town match. And Big Show is going to face the 10th, 11th, and 12th wonder of the world, <laughs> Paul Bearer. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> so good, man. I love it, man. I love it. Paul's response. Here. Paul. Oh, it pushed, Paul Bearer faints. He falls over. <laughs> Immediately. He's so golden. Immediately. He's going to face the Big Show. It's so perfect, man. I love it. And then finally, he he Shawn Michaels makes this main event. It's going to be Austin and The Rock tag teaming with Vince McMahon against The Undertaker, Triple H, and Shane McMahon. He says he's a special referee. And of course, this whole time, there are three guys in riot suits in the in the crowd. Right. I mean, excuse me, in the uh, in the ring with the right. Union and Vince. And he tells them to take off their gear. One of them is Patterson. One of them is Briscoe. And the third one, he says, "That handsome devil, you." The third guy takes it off. It's freaking Shawn Michaels. He's there in the arena. So that was pretty cool. I'll never forget that moment when watching it live. Um, so he adds – also he adds Vince as another special referee to that Taker Austin match at Over the Edge. So that's another cool thing um, he does here. And, yeah, it's, it's so good to see um, Shawn back and doing something cool. And it's just really cool, like you said, like like uh, the antithesis of last week's Raw where the – you know the corporation got one up on everything and now you know the union's going to kind of get it or the good guys are so it's really fun so and what's really fun too is this match that comes next it's paul bearer against the big show paul bearer's debut i believe this is his yeah. first match ever as far as i could tell uh, he may have had some and he was percy pringle uh back in uh in those old days but as far as paul well, bearer, this is his first yeah. match ever and you can tell because as he comes out, he goes, I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> so it's great. And Basically, Sean has to kick his butt, no literally way. kick his butt. Yeah, he, he does. And, and there is no way he would pass a physical <laughs> to get in the ring in 2018. <laughs> no. Morbidly obese. No. Oh, yeah. He, too much time in catering, as we mentioned. He loves <laughs> a catering match. So, yeah, he gets a big boot by Big Show, elbow drop, and then basically uh, – Big Show asked Sean to put the stipulation saying that if anybody in the ministry, corporate ministry, in, interferes, Taker loses that sh- title shot at Over the Edge. And Sean or Big Show says, "Can you wave that and, and have Taker come down here?" And Sean's like, "Sure, what the heck?" So Taker comes out and they face off, and basically the corporate ministry attacks Big Show. Union comes out. Taker never gets in the ring, but again, we're building that storyline here too. As the same time, we're building everything else. So it's just a lot going on. So. 
then a lot goes on throughout this entire show. Um, yeah. Boss Man defeats Tess in the nightstick on a pole match. Uh, so then thanks to Russo for that pole match, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Cactus Jack defeats Midian and Viscera in a hardcore match. Uh, Farouk and Bradshaw getting up their fight. Uh, you know, all this stuff with the uh, corporate ministry and, and the union going out against each other. And then the posse and the Stooges have just another fun, really, really fun segment here that ends up being the highest rated match in the history of cable TV that was not an overrun. Now, we'll get to that here in a few that's, weeks, but that's just insane. Yeah. When you that's think insane. About that. <laughs> insane. And like you said in last week's Raw, this week's Raw is in Orlando. They're nuts. You'd think it's at an NXT show like nowadays. Yeah. This crowd in Orlando is crazy, man. And they love every minute of it. This is so awesome. Who thought that the posse for Stooges, four guys are doing even wrestle anymore. They're yeah. the highest rated. Well, had wrestled in rated. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, Sam Briscoe at that point. Uh, but so there, many digs at WCW too and Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. It's so funny to watch this. So good. So anyway, let's get to the main event here. Yeah. Uh, the main event, like you said, is, is stacked with star power here. A six-man tag. Uh, and basically ends up with... Um, Shane attacking Vince, and then The Rock finally gets there, and, and every, they uh, triple-team Vince and The Rock before Stone Cold does his standard coming into a tag match five minutes late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, Undertaker ends up choking Vince McMahon with the electrical cords. Um, Taker and Austin brawl on the ramp, tr- Rock and Triple H brawl. It's, the, it's what we've seen for these main events lately. Not really a match, yeah. just a lot of fighting no. around on the outside. Uh, but what what happens in the finish? Oh, so Shane gives elbows to Vince, but then he, he gets hit with a Stone Cold Stunner. Uh, Shane does, and Vince goes to pin him, to pin Shane, but then Austin pulls him off at two, who's on his team, and picks Shane up, stuns him again, and pins him himself. So he wants to get the win for himself. You know, he's he's on Vince's team here, but he's not really on his team. He's not going to let Vince have the glory of pinning his son, you know, two weeks in a row, I guess, here. So that's how we close out this night. Again, this is technically all building toward – uh, over the edge, but we have a little pit stop in the way across the pond at No Mercy. Um, so they kind of managed to make this stuff work uh, yeah. in this match we're about to break down. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. That's why we want to go ahead and give all this. Plus, we want to make our over the edge episode not two and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this one might be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the No Mercy UK pay per view. They are going to have another No Mercy pay-per-view in the united states in october but actually yeah. undertaker will not be on that one so we won't be covering right. that one uh so this takes place may 16th 1999 in manchester yet again the manchester arena which they bring up many many times that they're there and yeah talk about all the manchunians in the audience which i don't that know that can't be right <laughs> yeah t- somebody tell us uk listeners if that's, that's actually a- the appropriate phrase there uh, i don't know that's there's no way that's right, man. That's Manchunian <laughs> candidate. I don't get. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Anyway, I wanted to mention. I don't know. You're right. That's what they say. But I want to say one thing about this pay per view. This is it's an actual pay per view this time. The other mm. ones we've covered are on Sky Sports apparently for free. But according to Pritchard, this is episode 69 of Something to Wrestle. He talks about this one. They tried Sky Sports tried something else new. They did it on their channel, but it was actually pay per view. So this is their first technically pay per view where the consumer had to pay for it, whereas. It used to be if you just subscribe to Sky Sports, kind of like HBO, you got the pay-per-views for free. Right. This one's actually pay-per-view. So anyway, I thought it was kind of neat. So um, I'll have to drop those little nuggets in when we can. So We're rolling in the money, dude, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, 
And it's not nothing special here. Again, the main event nope. is going to be Undertaker, Triple H, and Stone Cold for the title and a handicap match. They have a video package that they show a couple times in the show, basically treating it as a glorified handicap match, sort of like yeah. throwing back to Breakdown in your house with Undertaker and Kane against Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, in that same vein because you got two members from the corporate ministry teaming up to try to steal the title. And the corporate ministry is going to cut a promo here at the beginning of the show just to reinforce all of that. And Shane McMahon makes the main event triple threat a no-holds-barred, no-DQ match. <laughs> yeah, he's giving his promo. He's like, It will now be governed under no-holds-barred rules. No-holds-barred? That's not fair. <laughs> you can tell he's like, he's, he means to say no DQ, but he's, he's going with no-holds-barred because he probably watched that movie a thousand times. But, um, watched it on the plane like, ride no over. No-holds-barred rules. And then like, you can tell he's something. He, he gets flustered. You can see it in his face. But <laughs> basically, it's like, it's a no-DQ match. So anyway, I just, yeah, there's a bunch of corporate ministry matches all night. Um, they interfere in each other's matches all night, which will come to play later on in the show. Um, they even decimate Mankind in the locker room before his match with Billy Gunn, who, strangely enough, has been kind of teased. Is he aligned with the corporate ministry or not? I kind of right. I forgot that little thread that they had going, but it's been kind of teased over the weeks. Has he been? Is he a part of them or not? So, um, and one thing I forgot to mention is we've been covering Taker here as his evolution. He's got he's basically a samurai now. He's got this samurai haircut. His hair's pulled back on the sides and like it's up on the top of his head like a Chris Jericho almost and sides are cut real short. So that's been about three weeks now he's been doing that samurai hair. So I just want to mention that as we talk about his evolution, his character and his hair and his facial piercings and tattoos and all that. So um, anyway. Samurai Mark. <laughs> Yeah, but that man, that that video they showed, they edited it so well to make it seem like this match is built on television. Yeah, they basically they take you can tell they're they're taking they're cutting like audio comments and stuff, but they basically make it seem like it's gonna be like this match has been built up on Raw for the last three weeks, but it hasn't. But it's pretty cool to see them, you know, be able to use that, you know, in post production and, and edit something together to, to find that out, make it make it sound like it's legit. So I agree, they sell it really well and. We've had a lot of fun covering the UK pay-per-views, I think. Yeah. They, the matches have been surprisingly good. Uh, Undertaker and Bret Hart, and then uh, the triple th- or the four- Fatal 4-Way, that was surprisingly fun at Capital Carnage. Unfortunately, this one is going to be a bit Mm-mm. of a letdown from those, but uh, Triple H comes out with China. They come out first, and then Undertaker comes out with Paul Bearer. And I uh, appreciate commentary here. King actually brings up a good point that yeah. With Taker and Paul Bear, Triple H in China, Stone Cold is all by himself. So it's not only a handicap match, it's actually more like a four-on-one match since it's no holds barred, no DQ. And you've got all four people trying to steal the title from Shane McMahon. Plus you've got the corporate ministry who could interfere at any time as well. I think the only match that did not interfere in his draws, which I wouldn't want to either because they'll puke on you. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but... uh yeah, we've got them, <laughs> them out there, and um, I just – I don't understand my same problem I had with Breakdown, which was why don't they just take out Austin and then run in the ring and pin each other? Like, why doesn't Triple H or Taker just pin each other? If you want to go with the story, I don't know. I just feel like they should do that, and Austin should be playing the story of trying to keep them from pinning each other. I don't know. That would be a unique way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're – you know, the pride gets in the way. They don't want to – Sure. No, neither one of them wants to lay down. For the other one, right. and then we're gonna kind of see that 
throughout here. But yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a leap. Yeah, absolutely. We're fighting in the aisle way, and Undertaker follows him up there, and he has a title belt and hits these horribly weak shots to Austin with the smoking skull belt. Um, Austin's trying to fight him off. Basically, it's you know, like I said, it's a, it's a handicap match. We got the U, the UK soccer air horns and the chants going on, and um, uh, Austin and Hunter are brawling in the crowd. They they kind of keep going in and over like these the uh, guardrails like throughout the whole match. And yeah. I do want to mention here too that you can hear audibly a lot of spots being called in this match. I don't know if you remember, I did with my headphones on. But Earl, or, excuse me, Austin actually looks over at Earl and asks for the time. And I could just, in my head, I, I heard Tizam. Like we talked about with, H, with Hogan. But he's like, hey, what's the time? And he's like, we got 16 left. And so I just thought it was funny to hear that because in my head, I was just like, what's the Tizam, brother? So, uh, well, you could probably hear stuff. it too because, as JR notes, the crowd is hushed <laughs> for this matchup. And he says it's because of all of what they've witnessed so far. But I don't right. know about that. Um, yeah. It just never really catch the crowd here with this matchup and the big thing that we haven't talked about that uh why this match is a bit of a letdown is that the undertaker is very obviously hurt Mm -hmm. during this match and i didn't see him get hurt during the match i think you said it looked like he's limping on the way to the ring Uh, to me it did yeah. yeah i didn't notice that as much but very early on here we see uh they you know they're fighting all around the ring at first and austin trying to separate them but undertaker triple h keep continuing to work him over but they get in the ring and undertaker nails austin with a clothesline then undertaker just collapses down to his yeah. knees uh, after hitting the clothesline he's not it's clearly not selling he seems legitimately hurt or tired it's just very very strange there as he just cannot support himself anymore and we're not even five minutes into the match uh, and that's going to be the major thing that we see here o- over the next few minutes uh triple h tries to take over and give uh undertaker some time to her- uh, heal himself i don't know what was going on if it was his ankle or knee leg yeah. something he is definitely not even really 50 percent here no no not at all and before we started recording this we mentioned you know back before hell in the cell and king of the ring 98 he got hurt and i think he's still hurt that you know almost a year later here i think it's just he's got these nagging injuries you know i know pritchard always talks about how he never would complain or sell his pain or anything he just dug his heels in and went with it so i don't know man but here's the first time i really see him in like his weakened state you know as a as a shoot maybe it's because he's mark now not the undertaker uh, could be. <laughs> he's not getting his power from the urn anymore exactly so and speaking of power hebner flexes his power muscle yeah. here and triple h is going to hit austin with a chair and earl hebner steals it from him he saves it's his no boy. dq he saves his boy austin i know it's uh, ridiculous man well, it made me mad <laughs> Well, Austin grabs the chair back, and he nails both of these guys, uh, Undertaker and Triple H with oh, the chair. Yeah. Uh, and then goes Austin goes for a super lazy pin there and only gets two, yeah. uh, which he deserved, man. He didn't hook the leg. Or he just barely covered nope. Triple H, only gets two here. Uh, and you can see Undertaker. He is He's doing like the Andre the Giant thing where he is punching and kicking Austin, but he's holding onto the top rope the entire time he's doing it. Yeah, Undertaker will not. It's weird. He's having to use the top rope to hold on to to support himself, which is crazy to see the Undertaker having to do that. Um, and then Undertaker and Triple H do as we said. They start arguing with each other about who's going to end up beating Austin, who's going to get the pinfall here, much like Kane and Undertaker did, uh, which leads to <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the match. <laughs> Uh, 
that uh, Austin, while Triple H and Undertaker are arguing, this allows him to trip up the Undertaker and crotch him on the ring post, which JR calls. So, Travis, I propose that from now on, we officially refer to the crotch area of any wrestler as Death Valley on this podcast, as JR just called it. I think we have to go with that. So when we say the Undertaker's from Death Valley, are we saying that's just he's from his dad? Oh, his mom, his mom I guess. mom, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, so a low blow will now be called the Death Valley. All right, sounds good. It's so. in the Death Valley. I love JR it, called man. it, we're going to go with it. Let's make a shirt for that. So. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't bode well for your Clemson Tigers well, with the, and the arena that they, that they play football you're, in. You're right. But uh, <laughs> Death Valley with a little arrow pointing down. <laughs> Oh, exactly. I'm down with it. It's terrible. Terrible. Let's do it. Um, and then we get some craziness right here because after we get to Death Valley spot, we get um, Austin actually slips on the mat and takes Hunter to hits, the, hits him in the steps in the ring post and then take her attacks from behind. And he locks on what uh, basically that UFC leg move. I think JR calls it a leg lace. And Hunter breaks it up, and the two start shoving each other outside. And then Taker stabs Hunter in the back and basically just beating him up. And the best part of this whole interaction between these two guys is that <laughs> not only are they fighting, we get Paul Bear getting in China's face, and the camera goes over there, and he's doing, like, these karate moves to her. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> this match is not good, but it's worth it just to no. see Paul Bear doing his kung fu fighting over there in the corner. It's like, it's like he forgot it wasn't a house show, because it basically is. <laughs> oh, it basically is. Yeah, exactly. Um, Austin and Hunter um, end up teaming up here against Undertaker uh, and yeah, man. Shades of their future team up here in a couple years, the two-man yeah. power trip. And that should get the crowd to pop, you would think, that the two heels right. are now squaring off against each other. But crowd is just surprisingly not into any of this, man. Yeah, not at all, man. It's crazy. And um, I don't I don't get it, but I don't know. Maybe they just weren't feeling it. Maybe because it wasn't built up on TV yet, you know, yeah. really. So I don't know. Triple but, H um, is trying that. Triple H is bumping like crazy. Oh, selling yeah, huge. he's... Yeah, he is, man. And he a taker pulls Hunter off Austin after they do that face buster, that Triple H knee face buster spot, which I used to love when he did that. And again, Triple H calls that spot so loud. He goes, face buster, face buster. And Austin's like, what, what? Because he can't hear anything. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's great. And then the, the next spot of the match, Austin goes, Hunter, get ready. And it's just funny to hear because you can hear all this. Because like you said, the crowd is just kind of dead, you know? Um, and basically, so Austin. I'm trying to get this right. Okay, so Austin gets pulled up for a tombstone, and he reverses it into a stunner attempt, which is kind of sloppy. I think Taker's off on his, you know, he's off on his legs, are kind of wobbly. Then he pushes Austin into Triple H, who goes for a pedigree. Austin double leg trips him, and then gives him that awesome like leg toss. I don't know what you'd call it, but he you know grabs him by legs and falls backward and throws Triple H over his head. Into to Undertaker, who grabs him and catches him with a choke slam and hits it on Hunter. So, man, that was a cool little sequence right there. It was. Um, it I was really enjoyed really it. Yeah. Uh, something you really see in a lot that. of triple threats nowadays, where everyone's yeah. kind of hitting their finishers on each other. Uh, it was really well done here. So I uh, enjoyed that part of it, and that's really you know setting up the finish here. Um, Undertaker do- is able to manage to uh, uh, to. <laughs> Undertaker does manage to hit Austin in his Death Valley here uh, at one point, uh, get some revenge. <laughs> he does. Uh, but 
Austin gives Hunter a stunner, and then the corporate ministry runs out to interfere because uh, it is no disqualification. And then a bunch of baby faces come out. Uh, it's not quite the union, but it's uh, X Pac, Kane, and the Brood coming out to help even the odds. And they have all been attacked by the corporate ministry during the show. So uh, it yeah. makes sense. So I appreciate that because, like, yeah, the corporate ministry are out there. Bradshaw's holding Austin Viscera, Fruit Comedian are out there. And then all these guys that come out, like you said, it's not really the the union. I guess maybe Big Show didn't travel. Maybe Kenny and Tess yeah. didn't travel over there because not everybody's over there. But right. Mankind is over there. He limps to the ring. He's battling with Undertaker up the aisle. So I do appreciate the continuity, like I said at the beginning of this, sure. um, as we talked about this pay-per-view, like, they interfere. Corporate ministry does in all these matches. Well, it comes back to play here at the end because all those guys they screwed over come back out to screw them over. So I really do like that, the way that that turned out. And that uh, Mankind is um, battling with Taker up the aisle, so he kind of disappears. And Taker, and, um, again, kinda... Taker, you can see him stumbling mm-hmm. outside the ring. He's unable to stay on his feet. And yeah. I don't think he's selling. I think he's just legitimately having trouble standing, but he is able to make it out of there and, and like I said, fight with mankind, specifically all the way to the back, which leaves Triple H and Austin by themselves for the finish. Yeah, so that's going to bring um, – it's just Austin Triple H. Like you said, China gets in the ring as Hunter's holding Austin, like from this, holds his arm behind, and she kind of mouths off and does a cartwheel. And it's going to do like a back handspring into him, but Austin kicks her in the stomach, and that gets a pop. <laughs> It reminded me of uh, Austin Powers, where there's that one fight where, like, some guy's doing, like, or not, not Austin Powers, I think they parody in Austin Powers. I'm thinking of Indiana Jones, where, like, the guy does all the tricks and and everything, with the whip, right? Yeah, And then Indiana Jones just shoots him. Uh, Yeah. China gets in the ring and does all these backflips, and Austin just kicks her in the gut. Kicks her in the gut, and the crowd comes alive for that. Because, you know, beating up women is cool, uh, apparently, back in 1999. And he stuns her. Yeah. And then he just turns around and immediately stuns Triple H and pins him at 18 minutes, 27 seconds. So at this point, too, Shane McMahon is outside the ring. And he slides in, like, after the three count. What the heck happened there? Well, he was holding Earl Hebner while China was in the ring. And then you can watch this. He just lets Earl Hebner go, count the pin, and then he has to, like, walk around and stall because he could easily have jumped in there and broken yeah. the pin up, but he's like trying to act like he can't quite get in there fast enough to break up the pin. Shane kind of dropped the ball a little bit yeah. with the finish there, but whatever. Uh, it all works yeah. out fine, and Shane gets a uh, gets a stunner and uh, some Bronco Busters here to end the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Dude. Austin's gonna about to make X-Pac look like the second biggest star in the company here. Yeah, he is, man. He really is. Again, I mentioned last week that Xbox is over like nobody's business for some reason, 98, 99. And here in the UK, dude, you'd think that he's the rock. Because, yeah, the rock went on the show either. You'd think that he's the second biggest baby face in the company. Because, yeah, he's he's handing out Bronco Busters on Shane, Hunter, and China, which is weird to see. Uh, they beer bash. <laughs> we got Xbox, Austin, and third member. Earl Hebner, again, just like we had with Vinnie Jones. He's uh, repaying him for helping him out with that chair shot earlier. <laughs> I guess. Steve Weiser's there. and Yeah, apparently UK is the place for Earl Hebner to get to drink with Stone Cold Steve Austin. In the I ring. guess, it's man. Tradition now. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's funny, man. And then Austin gives a stunner to the brothers-in-law, future brothers-in-law. It's pretty cool to see. The rare Triple H double and, stunner. Yeah, you don't see that often. So he gives him that, and then... 
uh, gives Hunter a, a beer. And it's just funny because at this point you can also hear Hebner saying, we're still live, we're still live. They have like two minutes left. <laughs> and again, I don't know if this was supposed to be after the air or what, but it's funny because it makes it on air. Yeah, this part was fun. It felt like some of those extra attitude segments that are on the network that Raw after yeah. the show stuff. But you get to see a lot of it be a part of the pay-per-view, and it's, it's really random to see X-Pac in there with Stone Cold Steve Austin toasting. Uh, cool moment for him. Maybe the highlight of X-Pac's career, to be honest, <laughs> out here in the main event up here. But yeah, this one, I'd never seen this one before, and probably good with never seen it. Again, uh, I don't nope. think it's one anyone needs to rush out to go see uh, Think Undertaker and the guys they tried. Uh, Undertaker's sure. injury clearly prevented them from actually having much of a match, but they did what they could. They went out there, they put on a show. Uh, people paid the tickets. They went on there and uh, they tried to put a match together. Just didn't end up working that great. Doesn't rise up to the fun levels of some of the other UK pay-per-views we covered. Right. So I think you could skip it. Uh, probably some YouTube highlights that you could see and uh, check out Paul Bear, his karate moves there for five <laughs> seconds. And you could watch X-Pac toasting uh, with, with Stone Cold. That's fun. But instead, I'd go watch those two episodes of Raw. Man, those are yeah. well worth watching. May 3rd, May 10th, 99. Go watch those, man. They're incredible. So wonderful, wonderful storytelling right there. But yeah, if you guys were there, Manchester Arena, we want to hear from you. If you were there, some of you guys have commented that you have been there, so. We do have one person, uh, one of our listeners, who was actually at this show. Isn't that right, Travis? Yes, absolutely. As you guys know, I always say, if you were there, let us know. And uh, our old friend from across the pond, I believe, Lou Jane, said that she was there at No Mercy UK edition. And uh, she said she was there, and I just asked her more specifically on Facebook, you know, can you do you have any specific memories? We'd like to share them on the podcast. Thanks for reaching out. And she said that she really enjoyed seeing the triple threat between Taker, Triple H, and Austin. And she said that those are two of her favorite opponents for Taker, and they're in the same match. So I thought that's pretty cool. You know, I guess at the time they weren't her favorite opponents, but, you know, what they'll come to be and mean to her, or mean to his, you know, legacy is, is pretty cool. So I guess I, did, I didn't really think about that because Triple H has a huge, you know, um, Huge, huge rivalry with Tagger coming up here. And as you know, in 2018, it's still going on. So, yes, even as we speak. So, thank you to Lou Jane for, yeah, thank you, Lou Jane, for you know, responding to that. You always throw it out there, and half the time we get nobody. But I appreciate, especially those of you who are over in the UK, we always really love hearing that you guys were there. Thank you guys for listening, too. And thank you, Lou Jane. And we'll uh, get to you next time we get to a UK pay per view. Go to Talking Taker at Talking Taker on Twitter, Instagram. Or Facebook, you can hit up me at Alex Dorio as well on all those platforms. And then, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. We are on all of those. We put those episodes out every single Friday. Actually, usually put them up late Thursday night if you are a subscriber, so they will automatically down there, download right there for you. Uh, so be sure to hit us up on all those platforms and stay tuned for next week's episode as we will be jumping ahead just a couple weeks to cover a very difficult show. I'm sure it will be to cover, and we'll talk about all the uh, side effects of this one, but we're going to cover the main event of Over the Edge 1999 with Stone Cold Steve Austin defending his world title against The Undertaker here in a rarely seen match, I would say, as it is a match that was never released on home video and was not available legally to see besides the pay-per-view itself until the WWE Network arrived a few years ago. So very rarely seen. I have personally 
never seen it, obviously, Me for either. obvious reasons, and that pay-per-view is much more ominous, much more important for something uh, besides this world title match, but I'm sure we'll discuss that and our feelings sure. on that. Uh, and try to discuss the match itself as it is, but I'm sure it will be difficult to remove it from all the feelings about the tragedy with Owen Hart involved in that night. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll be an interesting episode, and uh, I'm uh, intrigued, I will say, to see that match for the first time ever. Yeah, me too. It'll be the first time just like this one was, but it'll be more of a main main event feel, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And um... Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Hopefully, we won't be quite as long as these last few have been. But we're just there's so much to pack and, and uh, to unpack and to cover. So we appreciate you guys being patient with us as we are kind of unpacking all this stuff. And we'll try to make them a little more streamlined if we can. But thank you guys for your feedback. And uh, last but not least, take her easy. Hey, what you doing? Pooping?